Information about the world of running, inspiration to fuel passion and excellence, and ideas for making connections and finding community. You're listening to A to Z Running. Hey everybody, welcome to the A to Z Running Podcast, where we help runners thrive. I'm Andy. And I am Zach. And during the show today, Olympian, NCAA champ, and NCAA record holder, Yared Nagus discusses taming ourselves and pushing through trials and limitations to achieve success. It's an amazing conversation. You don't want to miss it. And stick around after that for the latest from the world of running, including the world record, sorry, the world indoor track championships and New York City half marathon, as well as additional race action from the weekend. Mm -hmm. Lots to cover and lots of great information that can't be included here. And so if you want all the great information, you need to go to a to z running dot com and look for the word follow subscribe for free so you don't miss a thing. And of course, find us in the places where you like to find things like YouTube or social media, or otherwise, then you'll never miss any of it. <laughs> and when you do, we love to hear from you. So Polly had written on one of our posts that was about the episode a couple weeks ago, The Science of Losing Fitness, with Todd Buckingham. We had posted something that he said, which is that you don't, the goal isn't to win training. And she wrote, I have to tell myself this sometimes when someone passes me on a run, chill out. You don't need to win an easy run. Who else has been there? I think all of us. <laughs> well, that's exactly the point. Why do we train? Certainly, we need to know that. And when we know that, what is it we're trying to do in training? It's much easier to convince ourselves to do the thing properly. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Well, if you would like to get a discount to Rivertown Races at Millennium Park in Grand Rapids coming up here soon in April, there's a 5K, 10K, half marathon. You can get a discount using A2Z 2021 for 10% off. Again, that's A2Z 2021 for 10% off. And I'll link to that at A2ZRunning.com. All right. Well, that's about it. So let's get started. Today's main topic is pushing through, whether you're pushing through the line or a season or maybe some highs and lows with training in life. Olympian Yared Nagus has insight to share that will encourage us all. So let's talk a little bit about Yared. He mm. knows how to battle to the line. That has become yeah. quite evident to the running community. He gets it done in the late stage of racing. In 2019, he edged out Grant Fisher of Stanford University, now Bowerman Track Club and American record holder times two, to bring Notre Dame DMR team to victory by 0.15 seconds. Another example is when he won the NCAA 1500 meter title in 2019 at the Outdoor Nationals by three thousandths of a second. That's wow. close. Aren't both of his NCAA records also like close. near close call? <laughs> I, he loves to get it done that way. But I have to say this this time around for his most recent record in the 3000 meter indoor run, he had to do it solo. Mm. And he ended up achieving that by less than half a second. <laughs> and this is a longstanding record. So that was the second of... Nagus's NCAA records. He also has the outdoor 1500 meter record. 
in 2021, he had a long season, which led to the Olympic trials where he won a spot on Team USA with a bronze medal. And in this conversation with Yard, we discuss pushing through the line, seasons, and highs and lows in the sport. So let's hear from Olympian Yard Nagoose. Hi, Yared. Welcome to the A to Z Running Podcast. We're so thrilled that you've come on the show during a super busy time of life. So thank you. Oh, yeah, no problem. And thank you guys for having me, Andy. It's great to be here. <laughs> thank you. And congratulations are in order for so many things, but most recently the 3000 meter indoor NCAA record, which was like a super long standing legendary record that you just did three weeks ago. So I, I actually would love to start there, maybe talking about that race, just because I know that my audience will be angry if I don't ask you specifically to talk <laughs> us through that race a little bit. So go ahead. Yeah, no, I'll go right ahead. Um, so that race, we kind of came in like with that goal in mind. Um, you know, we always hear that like, Oh, Boston's fast. And I hadn't really like believed it before. So I was kind of just like, okay, sure. Whatever. I'm sure I could do it on any other track, but um, that was just me being a little uh, suspicious. And then uh, kind of going into that race, we, I had the whole like a little COVID thing the week before. And so that made it really hard to travel. And so I still managed to get there, but I had to fly in the day of and then um, just kind of go for it the best I could. Um, and also in that race, we were supposed to have like some of the on running guys there, but they got sick. So like, it was just like, just going to be me. And I was just like, I think, you know, the odds are against me, but I'm, I'm still feeling pretty good about it. And so, you know, kind of going in there and like after the rabbits fell off, I just kind of had a really good rhythm going on for most of the race. And, you know, I mean, like my coach mentions, like, you know, you could have like beaten the record by a lot if you had just, you know, not run this one slow 200 or something. But I think like my body is just like incapable of not doing things at the last minute. I'm like a big procrastinator. And I think that transferred to my races and how I beat records now. So I just kind of barely inched on by in classic yard fashion, but it was still a phenomenal day. <laughs> some call it patience though. Some can call it procrastination. Others call it patience and mm. the ability to push through the line. That's what I want to talk about with you today is like pushing through. And one of the things is pushing through the line. So in a race like that, when there are some things that were unexpected, you know, COVID was unexpected, not having the group of guys to help push you in that race. That's all kind of unexpected. How do you push through in times like that? Hmm. Well, I think a big part for me is kind of my recognizing my intrinsic motivation. Like during those times, that's just like, oh, nothing's going right. Like, why, why am I doing this? And I've always mentioned before, like, it's always for my team and my guys around me, no matter what I do, whether, you know, it'd be like on a cross country course or just like me trying to break a record. Um, everything I do is for Notre Dame. And so, you know, just going into a race like that, that I think is a really great motivator that keeps on allowing me to push through during those times of unexpected strife and whatnot. And, you know, like when you get on the track for some reason, I'm just, you know, when you get to that like last point where you really are having to push through the line, it's just, at that point for me, it's like, well, you have nothing else to lose. You know, there's always this like, mm -hmm. you know, like you're there, you're out to race and you have to give it your all and no better time to do that than when you're right about to like stop. So, you mm -hmm. know. <laughs> 
It seems like that's instinctual for you. Is that correct? Is it instinctual for you to really get after that in the end stages? Yeah, I think it's always been a thing of mine since like I started in high school. I was always just like, I just always hear my high school coach echo in my head, like last one, best one. And so, you know, I always just try to like really, really search the last bit. And for some reason, it always just kind of like worked out. Like I, it always seemed like I had more than everyone else at the end, but I don't know if it was that or if I just kind of like, even if I'm totally gassed, like at the end, there's always like something else for me to turn to and just kind of keep on pushing through no matter what. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's something extra special, which you definitely have. <laughs> so <laughs> you want to train yourself to push through, right? So what does that look like for you in training? Yeah, I think uh, every day that's kind of like a more, I'd say it's like a consistency piece that's really important. Um, I'm sure all runners talk about this and practice this, but, you know, like being consistent is actually a very important part of your schedule because keeping yourself disciplined is what allows you to really like push yourself at the end. So it's kind of like that same force that you're kind of like self-control and like taming that force allows you to like push yourself to the final limits during a race. So when I'm forcing myself to go to bed at a certain time, even though I really don't want to, that's like kind of a mind over body kind of thing. And I always believe that like mind is such a huge part of our sport. And so, you know, if you train your mind to like have more control over your body, then I think that translates well into races. And so I've always been like pretty disciplined most of the time, as long as I'm not like special cases, I'd say I'm usually like pretty disciplined with like my schedule and just keeping things fairly consistent. And, you know, I think that kind of like transcends to when I race also just being like, I'm able to push, even though my body is just screaming at me to stop. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was really well put. Thank you for sharing that. Now there's a difference between pushing through, or maybe there's not. So you tell me pushing through the line and the mentality of racing when you are going for a record versus making an Olympic team, for instance, is there because you're going for place is there a different way that you approach those dynamics? Yeah, I'd say for sure. Um, so I don't really like approaching like the time kind of basis thing. I really like it better when times just kind of happen. But, you know, in the day and age we are at and like to break records at this level, it just requires that you specifically slot out of time to do that. And so I think like, you know, when you're in a record kind of race, especially if there's no one around, it's more like you versus the clock and those kinds of races. I think are like a lot harder and like also a lot less fun. The results fun, but like, it's still just kind of like a very mentally tedious kind of race Um, versus when you're actually like racing, like at the trials, that was like a really exhilarating race, like the entire way through. And it still requires you like that same, like pushing through. That's still like definitely a big piece of it. But I think it's a lot easier when the goal is like right in front of you versus it being like an abstract thing like time. So when I was at the trials, like that last 200, when kind of like everything was really going and I, I like, I just felt like I was in a good position and like, you know, I kind of like saw Cole Hawker go like right by me too. And I was just like, man, like, this is like, it is. <laughs> and so like, you know, I'm kind of just like running after them. Like, and then the next thing I knew, like, I'm just like in third and I'm just like actually about to finish. I'm like, oh, whoa, that's crazy. <laughs> like you just kind of lose yourselves in moments like that versus like in a record kind of race. I feel like you're there for like every second of the race. Like you have to be present and you have to be focused on like keeping on turning it on 
because like no one else is there to keep you accountable. So I think like that's why I kind of like more like competitive races. So what I'm hearing you say is that that doesn't take as much of the the mental strain of clicking off the pace. So what is smart racing to you in those two different scenarios? Mm, smart racing. So I think I, I finally kind of achieved almost smart racing in Minecraft at some point. People say like, oh, Yard's good at racing. It's this and this and this. And like, yeah, but I don't feel that like super smart in any of those cases, except like the sit and kick kind of race. <laughs> um, but I'd say, so for a big thing, especially like at this higher level is positioning in races. That is like very key because when you, the higher up you get, the more similar everyone's kicks are. And so, you know, if you're in a race where like everyone can do like the same kick and your kick is like one second faster, but you're like one second behind everyone, then it doesn't matter. Like you're going to lose. <laughs> mm -hmm. So it's really important, like, especially coming into like whatever. I usually like kind of do the last lap as a reference, but you kind of want to be in position for most of the race. Um, so you can kind of just like relax through it. But I kind of like to position myself somewhat towards the front. It doesn't necessarily have to be like number one because I don't really like being up there anyway. But you know, just kind of being close by and like not blocks boxing on the rail. That's like a big thing, um, especially when races are really crowded, just like not getting absolutely consumed by a pack. And so, you know, I'd say just kind of keeping a good position there. And then, you know, when it times to come to let your kick go, it's just like to show everyone what you got, you know? Um, and then in our, like a record race, uh, well, I mean, I think it's just kind of like finding a rhythm, you know, it's, I was like very, I just had a very hard goal of like, you know, run like 30 and some change every lap. And then, you know, you'll basically, you'll be set <laughs> and, you know, it sounds easy in practice, but I could kind of incorporate that. I would kind of push a little at the last one, which thankfully I did. Otherwise I wouldn't have gotten it. But, you know, I think a big part of that race is just kind of finding that rhythm and staying in that rhythm even like especially when you want to like zone out like a couple laps after the rabbit kicked off i know i had a slightly slower mile or slower lap and like it was just like it's gonna get harder every lap like you know you kind of expect that you know oh i'm gonna keep on running 30s it should feel about the same but it just gets you know worse and worse and worse and worse every time obviously and so kind of like keep on pushing even though you're kind of trying to go the same pace those that's really important in those record races mm -hmm. It doesn't often happen the way that you did it all alone. <laughs> yeah. So does that have you thinking like, what if, what if I did have some people in this race? Like, do you think there, well, I runners are on a road of continuous improvement, right? So even though you, you got that really age old record, do you feel like there's more there to explore? I, I think for sure. I would be very surprised if my record lasted as long as the last one did just based on like the trajectory of runners I've been seeing these last few years, especially this year, I think like we're kind of in a place where like, you know, 738 is still really fast, but I think it's still like attainable by a few people to kind of pass, which is why I kind of want to run like 735 or something, but I obviously wasn't able to do that. Um, but, you know, I think if I had someone else in that race, then, you know, maybe it could have been like a 735 race, but, you know, maybe I could have been beaten. So, you know, who knows? But um, I just feel like 
in those races. Like I always say, like, I just need one more fast person. I don't like races where you get like a bunch of fast people together. I think if you get like 12 fast people together and you just kind of run slow, that's like my hot take. <laughs> um, I don't <laughs> like running alone, but when I do run alone, like I know I can do it. It's kind of like a, Oh, if you want something done, right. It's gotta be done by yourself. Kind of that attitude, mm. which, you know, it's, it has some truth in it, but you know, I think it'd definitely be more fun and like more easier if you have like two, three guys all kind of like going at a record at the same time. Um, kind of like the, the mile they had in Chicago that Cooper and Cole ran where they almost got the record. That would be like my ideal scenario. Cause that's like, you know, two, three guys just like going at it. And so, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, it can't always happen that way. And both my records have been like pretty much alone. So hopefully the next time I get a shot, at it, I have some other people brawling it out with me. Mm-hmm. I feel like that was such an important nugget that you said that you, you have to do it. I mean, essentially what you're saying is like, okay, I can control what I'm doing. And even though it'd be nice, yeah, to have these other guys, like I have to do this for myself. Right. So I think that that's kind of the ownership that you're talking about is a really important translation that all of us, all of the listeners can take away is like, yeah, there's these different circumstances. I can't control those, but I'm going to own what I know I can do, what I've trained for. And I'm not, you know, I'm still going to go do it. <laughs> I like that mentality. That was a really good nugget. No, yeah. Thanks. I mean, you know, this is how it is. Like, I don't want to, re- you know, you don't want to like rely on other people. Like you're like, Oh, if I just had this person, these fast guys in my race, I would run faster. I feel like it's always more just like, I'm going to run faster when I want to run faster. And, you know, those guys will help make it easier, but like, you know, it's still, it's all going to be me in the end. Right. You're putting one foot in front of another and it's no one can push you. (laughs) And if they do, that's not a good thing. That doesn't help you. Um, So we talked about pushing through the line when it comes to racing, but what about pushing through a really long season? And would you tell us about your really long season? Yeah. So, um, of course I had that season where it was cross country in the winter. Um, even though we just had cross country in the fall, yeah, cross country in the fall, cross country, a little break, then cross country in the winter, then outdoor track, and then just kind of right into the Olympics and whatnot. Um, and so that was a really interesting season because, you know, I'm not kind of used to the quick turnover from cross country to like outdoor track. I'm kind of more used to like, cross country to indoor where you have winter break to kind of get your speed up and so going into that i was a little worried just like am i really going to have you know the speed i need to have in that race but um my coach is pretty great at what he does and is able to kind of get us all prepared for track in a relatively quick period of time and there are definitely moments though like especially towards the end of that season like after outdoor kind of knowing the trials were coming i was just like man, this is like another month <laughs> of just like me being here in South Bend instead of like being home or something. And so, you know, for me at that point, like it's all about just kind of reaching out and making those long seasons like really, you know, an enjoyable time hanging out with friends and just, you know, just kind of like taking taking a break without actually taking a break is kind of how I put it. Um, I think I kind of get like really focused in for like, three two three months at a time however long the season will be and then it kind of like tapers off a little bit so I kind of like had my two three months for outdoor and then tapered off and then kind of like but still was kind of locked in for the trials 
And then, you know, after the trials continuing on to the Olympics in August, um, and despite what happened, I felt like I was really like mentally, like really there to kind of give it my all because, you know, it's just like a, this is a huge opportunity and one that like I don't want to miss, you know? So mm-hmm. I feel like just kind of realizing, especially after COVID that everything is just so fragile and everything can just disappear in an instant. It kind of makes you really appreciate a season, even if it is going on for seemingly forever. Mm-hmm. What are some things you do to stay engaged? Hmm. Yeah. So I'd say a big thing is kind of just staying engaged with my team, especially we're a pretty close team. And I think, you know, that has been our biggest strength always. And so, you know, for me, it's just like simple things like going out and playing Catan or something and just like hanging out and like really kind of fortifying that, like why I do this. And like, you know, it's for, these guys that freaking wreck me in Catan and whatnot. So it's just little things like that, that kind of really keep you locked in and just like not, I guess, losing focus. It's kind of hard to articulate. I will say like, just like, I'm just like, Oh, just don't lose focus. But obviously that is a very mentally tough thing to do. And kind of something I've acquired over the years. I feel like you're doing a great job of explaining it because it's almost that you are, you are, measuring your times of rest in a way like mental resting. I'm going to go play Catan or I'm going to choose to focus on community, uh, within the running experience and having intention. I guess that's the word I'm looking for being intentional about, about spending that time. And you said taking a break without taking a break. Um, but having those moments where you center yourself, as you said, I think that's really relatable and translatable, uh, for our audience too. So how do you, uh, combat and do you have to combat any kind of like negative thoughts about how your body's doing in, in this, uh, long period of time pushing through this season? Um, do you have moments where you're like, I just feel like I'm tired. Uh, and what do you do about it when you face those times? Yeah, there are definitely moments like that, especially when I was um, more freshman, sophomore year, like my, this, especially my sophomore year outdoor, right before I won my national title, I was just so tired of running at that point. Cause like no one else was there. It was just like basically me from the distance squad. Everyone else went home for the summer. And I was just like, man, I am tired of running right now. I just want to go on summer vacation and just like turn off for like a while. And, you know, if I had you know really done that, then I wouldn't have been able to win that 1500 that year. And so, uh, so, you know, those moments for me, was just a lot of kind of just being like, okay, yes, everything seems bad right now. But I think like kind of goals are really helpful there and just being like, but the reward is definitely much worth, you know, any kind of suffering you're going through. Um, and I would say it was suffering. I was just like hanging out in a dorm in the summer and just running and then just hanging out all day. But, you know, it was still just like a really, like in my head, a very boring time. And I was just like, is this really going to be worth it? Because it was my first outdoor national meet. I was like, can I really actually do anything here? So like, should I really be staying? And, you know, doubts like that are definitely going to prevail, especially like when you have like a reason to doubt. Like if I, I had like a bad workout or something, I feel like we all been there, but it's about like not letting those bad moments kind of define the experience as a whole. Like if I have a bad workout Tuesday before a weekend race, 
I'm not just going to absolutely like cave in because I feel like those negative thoughts and that kind of thinking just really kind of makes your worst fear come true. Um, like mm-hmm. if I just dwell on a negative workout, then my race outcome is going to be negative. But I've always been able to kind of just look past those kinds of things and just being like, I know who I am. I know all the success I've done before just hasn't gone away because I've done like one workout that felt slightly harder than normal. It's just kind of keeping an even head and like really kind of keeping it stable after a bad thing and just kind of, you know, remembering who you are and remembering the great goals that you can achieve if you just kind of stick to it. Mm -hmm. And I like that, how that translates to your racing too, where you're going to put out the negative thoughts that you, you could have, or give yourself excuses like, Oh, I'm not feeling the best, you know, I'm in this race. I've just had COVID. I, I have a good excuse not to perform like I thought I could, but instead you banish those, but it's a practice. It's a habit for you. And I think that that is, is really a key point, um, that, that again, all of us could practice that discipline of just banishing those negative thoughts when we feel like insecure, I guess, about what we're doing and and our abilities. So thank you for sharing that. It really goes well into the next part I wanted to talk about, which was pushing through the highs and the lows and running certainly has them. I don't think I've talked to a single person who's been on the mountaintop continuously without ever having, you know, some valleys or some injuries. So can you talk us through how you push through highs and lows? I mean, I feel like you did such a great job, like coming back and then getting another record after having an injury in Tokyo. Could you talk our audience through that? Yeah. So I'd say I've been, I'd say first off, historically wise, I've been pretty fortunate on the low end just like not not really having any like huge major lows like I might be like banged up in one way or another but like I'd actually just never like I felt like really really been injured until like Tokyo which is just like the worst time of course um and I think a big part of just like kind of who I am is just kind of like staying even keel about like everything no matter what happens like after I win a national meet or after like this injury thing, it, you know, I'm all just like, okay, it happened. You take it in, you accept that it happened. And then you kind of just like move on from that. So after Tokyo, especially, um, that was like a really brutal one because like, there was kind of like hope, like after I got injured, they were just like, well, like you might be able to still race and like, you know, heal back. And, you know, like I did like get a lot better in a short period of time, but like clearly not better enough to race. And so like, that was like more of a a slow burn too. This isn't going to work. And like, you know, like making those calls, especially to people was just like the worst of it. I was just like, um, you know, all these people who had really like supported me and, you know, I felt like I had just like let them all down, not the case, but it really felt that way. And so for me coming back from that, I was just like, okay, Yes, that was a really crappy scenario that I would not like to relive again. However, in the end, it kind of just, I mean, taught me one to be more careful for my workouts and just like, you know, really being able to hydrate and do all the little things like that. So I don't just get some random strain out of nowhere. But also, more importantly, it does not define who I am. So I think I was definitely like kind of coming back. I was just like, my quads going to flare up again of all that. Cause like, 
it healed very quickly um because i kind of was taking some time off after that so like i'd say like i didn't really feel it like two three weeks after which is just like really inconvenient timing because the race is one week later i would have probably been fine but um you know even after that i was still just kind of like just a little just like oh man like am i going to be able to do this or blah blah, blah. And especially coming into indoor i had the same thoughts i was like okay but now i'm running fast versus cross country in which I also had another love when we did so bad at nationals. So I was just like, okay, so that's Olympics and nationals. So like, what's next for me in indoor? And, you know, even still through it all, I'm just like, I'm still like the same person I was like, you know, two years ago, one year ago. And, you know, just because I had a couple lows, you know, doesn't mean that I'm like this failure all of a sudden. Um, and so I think, I think that part is a lot harder for people who haven't had success in the past, like, you know, still realize like they have room to grow and they are still like really good runners. Um, but I've been kind of fortunate in that case to where, you know, like I had really success early on. And so that kind of like pushes me to just keep on getting better and, you know, keep on looking back to that and saying, this is who I am, not this quad injury not sucking at cross-country nationals and so that was really able to come out at the 3k when i was just going out and giving it all i had and you know just kind of letting it all go for a moment and just being like what's in the past is past you know i'm more looking forward and so mm-hmm. yeah that was a lot but yeah <laughs> no it's profound stuff i think that we all wrestle with that like knowing we know deep down we are enough Nothing increases or decreases our worth. Mm -hmm. Whether we have a good day or a bad day, we still have our worth. (laughs) And I hear you talking about all of this. And I feel like that, correct me if I'm wrong, like that's part of how you push through a race, right? Like knowing you're able to take risks and do things because you know who you are and you know that your worth does not increase or decrease depending on a race. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. I've always just like, you know, I'm the guy who will kick at the end. So, you know, come the end, I kick, I go, I just do what I need to do and just put it all out there because, you know, I have that to look back on always. Mm-hmm. Well, this has been such a fun conversation and we will keep our audience updated on everything that you're doing and uh, we'll talk soon. Yeah. Thank you. It was great talking to you. I loved what Yard said, and I wrote it down. Taming the force of self-control is essential. To remain disciplined and consistent is what allows you to push through the line. Hmm. So essentially, what Yard said is that there's really no magic sauce, so to speak. Of course, he has that magic in the end where he is beating people at the line. But what that comes from, what he's telling us, is that it comes back to training as it always does. There's no skipping the hard work, but the good news is, is that we all have the capacity to tame our self-control and to remain disciplined. Mm. It's about doing the right things in the right way. Mm -hmm. That is always the case. So it's like, you know, training is the goal of high quality training implemented in wise and smart Mm -hmm. methods. And that's, that's a great conversation, great reflection. How do we rein in in some senses ourselves you know self-discipline and all of those things appropriately it's like getting to bed on time and things of that nature that's hard as a college athlete that he is able to 
find himself honing in on with that self-discipline because he has really big goals, Mm. you know, being the best in the U.S. So it was a great conversation to have with Yared. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for sharing with all of us and Andy. Mm -hmm. And with that, let's get on to the world of running. Before we get to our list in the world of running, let's give a quick shout out to several A to Z runners who are racing all over the place. Well, all over the races. Um, Certainly at the Spectrum Health Irish Jig in Grand Rapids, that's a local event for us as well. And so lots of fun and participation from lots of people we know. But shout out to Zach and Zach and Andrew and Pete and Nick and Christy all participating. Great to see you out there also. And shout out to Madeline and Mike, who were in Chicago at the Shamrock Shuffle. Very so fun. lots of festive racing this weekend. Mm-hmm. Now let's hop indoor for the World Indoor Track and Field Championships. And we're going to get started with one of my favorite events of the entire uh, championship, which was the women's 3,000-meter run. Mm-hmm. And Ellie Prier St. Pierre claimed silver for the USA in a stacked 3,000 meter field. It was a strong field. It was. So Ellie Pereer was second to Lem Lem Halu, who won in a time of 841.82. So very fast race. And Alicia Munson had a great showing. She was seventh place. But how it kind of went down was that Gabriella Dupuis Stafford led the race in the early stages and she did hang in the mix and she ended up in fourth place. Uh, She's from Canada and you might know her because we recently spoke about her getting the North American 3000 meter record. And runs for Bowerman Track Club. And runs for Bowerman Track Club, yep. So they've got a, a fairly strong showing in most international contests, it would seem. Yes, yes, I would say so. And if you wanted to watch the last few minutes of the race, I've embedded that at a aduzrunning.com, and you can also watch the full race at a link that I put in there. Mm-hmm. For some reason, it was forbidden to be embedded. So. Forbidden. Forbidden. Next right. up... I said before I was really excited. This is the one I'm actually the most, most excited about. Oh, the most, most yes. excited. So the other I'm one was excited. most excited. Just, this one's more, most excited. I know, excited. and it's irrelevant to all of you who are listening for news. Ajay Wilson won the 800-meter representing Team USA in a time of 159.09. Why is that so exciting to you? This is her first world ah. title. This is her first gold. Yeah. And she's been in this sport. She's been doing this at a high level for. A decade. Uh, since she was a teenager. Since she was a literal teenager. At the world stage. So this might be surprising to some of you who know Ajay Wilson and her dominance it, you know, for the last 10 years. But this is her first world titer, title. And it was a very dominant victory of almost one and a half seconds. She which is a lot in, in the 800 meter. Yeah. And Let's Run noted that in 2013, Wilson was fifth at the Outdoor Worlds. And since she has won two outdoor bronze medals and two indoor silver medals. So not not that she is undecorated by any right. means. She's one of the most eight decorated and she's U.S. Held 800 the American meter record. record. Yes. And, yep. Yeah. So it's it's awesome for her to see her gold finally. Yes. You yes. could say. Very mm-hmm. cool. And Andy is so excited. Well, speaking of exciting (laughs) races, the men's 1500 meter was also a stacked field. The the indoor championships is often one that sees a fair number of the world's best just not show up. They they choose to forego. It depends on the year. And sometimes they do. Sometimes they don't. But occasionally you'll get something where like in the men's 1500 where 
they still show up. Yeah, the and, previous world record holder and the current world record holder. <laughs> right. And so you get some exciting Showdown. times. And I mean, and, and a field full of Olympians as well. Yep. Mm-hmm. So that's no small feat to race in a contest like that. And Samuel Tefera, who was the previous world record holder in indoors, did not disappoint. Upsetting, you could say, the current world record holder, Jakob Ingebrigtsen, with a, a blazing fast. It was like 332 and change. Mm-hmm. And so... In a fast race, and Jakob even talking about uh, in an interview that, uh, you know, it was indeed the kind of thing where you just like put the pedal down and see what happens, see who hangs on. Well, there's a lot of guys who can hang on yeah. and feel that strong. And so it was Tefero who came out on top. Right. And he has been beaten by Ingebrigtsen the 11th other times that they've raced so, against each other. Yes. So if, if you just look at the two in terms of when they've competed at the same time. One for 11, but he did it Oh, I'm sorry. One. F- so 11 is the total. So, yeah. One for 10, yeah. one for 11. 10%. So, yes. Um, now, good things there from the top two. We also saw some pretty impressive uh, athletes around and about in the field behind them, certainly notable in third place, Abel Kipsang. And we've talked a lot about Ali Hoare from Australia, also from On Athletics Club. Mm-hmm. And he was in fifth. Yeah. He had talked about Oliver Hoare in the post-race interview about how Abel Kipsang was the one who really kept it honest there in the beginning. And then uh, Tefera classically sat on Ingebrigtsen for the first about seven laps thereafter and overtook him in the final kick. So just a fast race. And Oliver Hoare said he wasn't expecting it to be like that fast, that fast. Like obviously he knew it was going to be, (laughs) he knew it was going to be fast, but at a championship race like this, he thought it might settle, but it didn't. So anyway, Oliver Hoare did an amazing job and great things to come for outdoor season. It'll be so fun to see what happens in Eugene. Absolutely that. And another shout out for U.S. athlete Bryce Hopple in the 800 meters taking home the bronze for Team Mm -hmm. USA. Exciting things there. Now, on an aside. Yeah, just a brief aside. We usually don't talk about anything other than distance running, but... Because what else really matters? (laughs) But when world records happen, we at least like to try to mention them sometimes. Well, Mondo DePlantis cleared 6.20 meters, which is 20 feet 4 inches. On his final attempt, so very theatrical, to get the record, uh, world record. pole vault. By one centimeter. Clarifying here, this is the pole vault. This is his second time (laughs) getting the record in two weeks. Yeah, he does things like that. Yeah, he is, yeah. And then Venezuelan Ulemar Rojas launched the farthest jump in history in any setting. So that's indoor or outdoor. And this was in the triple jump. She went 15.74 meters. She's so dominant. Gold medalist Gold in medalist. the summer yep. games, and so no surprise, she's been able to do things that many are just in awe when they yep. watch her jump. And she's this is a full foot further than her previous world indoor record that she <laughs> held. A, a whole foot, okay? <laughs> That's pretty cool. Yeah, which means that no one else is really even in the picture when it comes to this triple jump event. So, wow, Rojas. Not when she's on, yeah. Amazing. So an exciting world indoor meet. A lot of the races and events are available to watch online if you find them. Yeah, they're not embedded, I don't believe, on many websites. So if you just go to YouTube and and search in the search bar, I do have a couple of them linked, the ones I was able to get to. So, yeah, it's exciting to watch. 
Now, Andy, how about the New York City Half Marathon? Yeah. Before we get to the specifics, I always find this race interesting because the timing is quite right for many who are running spring marathons and they want kind of like a fast, competitive half marathon tune-up race. This one's always in a good moment in time for that kind of thing, whether you're racing Boston or London or whatever. So Mm -hmm. that being the case... It's it's interesting to see who shows, and mm-hmm. it, you usually get a fairly decent world-class couple few athletes duking it out for the mm-hmm. win here. And before I get to the results, both the male and female winner both talked about how the course was much harder than the previous course. Welcome to New York City. <laughs> so it's a lot hillier than it has been previously. But in the women's front pack, they hit 1620 for the first 5K. So Right at the bat, we knew it was going to be a fast race. And the winner in the very end, uh, spoiler alert, <laughs> was Samberi Tafiri, and she set a new course record. If so, it's a new course, isn't it automatically a new course record? That's that's true, I guess. <laughs> well. So she, she went ahead and said it. <laughs> and Tafiri and uh, Tip Tie, they shared the lead for most of it. And this is the interesting oh. thing that I wanted to share with you because I think a lot of what makes the world of running interesting is storytelling. So I'll be brief about it. But with under 100 meters to the finish, the lead car turned off the course, like through the barricades. Which they always do. Because they have to get out of the way because they, they can't to get cross out of the, the finish way. <laughs> line. But Tafiri followed. Which is not terribly uncommon, actually. Because you're just in the zone. You're just following, Right. right? Right. Yeah. So she quickly corrected herself, but she lost the lead <laughs> at oh. that point uh, to Cheptai. And she ended up overtaking, though, Cheptai at the end, and she crossed with a two-second win. But that would have been super disappointing for yeah. her if she wouldn't have won the race. There yeah. was a lot of money on the line. What was I think it was $200,000 or something crazy like that. Um, so there's a lot of money on the line. That would have been very difficult for her, especially when – you know, it's one of those things where you're like, you're totally in the zone. You're not thinking about anything else in the final stages except for just finishing the race. So she's just following like she has the entire time. So anyway. Yep. Whew. And that's definitely not the way you want to have to experience a finish experience. But probably give she, her a little she rallied. shot of adrenaline yeah, there. Yeah, indeed that. A couple Americans that I want to mention because I think that they are definite performances worth highlighting. Lindsay Flanagan was fifth. Nice. Annie Frisbee was eighth. Stephanie Bruce was 10th in her final season. And Sarah Hall was 12th. So great showing by the American women in the race. Excellent. Well, on the men's side, some interesting and incredible racing going on as well, certainly. Um, Notably, uh, American standout Galen Rupp was uh, watched for this race, but then he ended up dropping out early. And it sounds like it may have something to do with some back pain or something of that nature. But it's no surprise if Galen Rupp is feeling something of concern. He is one known for caution and tends to not try to push it when he's got something that could be an injury. So mm-hmm. who knows exactly to the extent of what's going on there because it could it could be even something minor and he just didn't want to push through it. Who knows? But that said, at the front of the race, there was no doubt about the winner, Ronex Kiprudo. Late in the race, he had a commanding lead and certainly was not going to relinquish any of that. Ronix Capruto of Kenya, by the way, having once set the world record in the half marathon, it has since been broken, but clearly at this distance, he is a force with which to be reckoned. Mm-hmm. 
in addition to that, he was racing uh, a number of Americans who yeah. have some strong performances in half marathon as well. And we do like to kind of feature where those Americans fell. And in this instance, fourth through ninth were all USA runners. Um, and some of these names should be very familiar to you, if not all of them. The likes of Shadrach Kipchirchir in fourth, who is also the U.S. cross-country champ. Connor Mance in fifth, who is also two-time NCAA cross-country champ, among other notable performances before and since. And then Sam Chalanga, we've had him on the show before, and you should certainly hear his name more and more as he continues to demonstrate his prowess. Reed Fisher, B.S. Simbasa, and Ben True, all great yeah. athletes in this distance especially. It's one of these interesting things. Half marathon is one of those distances because you don't see it at things like the Olympic stage and such, and so it's not necessarily a focal point for a lot of runners. But in my experience, a lot of those who do marathons tend to not like racing as long as a marathon, but they still like racing longer races, and the half marathon's a sweet spot for a yeah. lot of distance runners. It's so interesting because at the Olympic Games, it's like 10,000 meter on the track and – the marathon. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot that goes on in between there as far as what can be done with performances and PRs and all of that. So it's fun to see the road racing circuit that we've kept you up to date on, on A to Z running. And these are names that come up time and time again for that too, because there is so much in distance running that happens between the 10,000 and the marathon distances. At least all of the fun things do. <laughs> a lot of fun things. Now, that said, there were a few other interesting, interesting, notable things from racing this weekend, specifically yeah. interesting to Andy. Yeah. So my <laughs> roommate from the Olympic trials, Katie Kellner, won the New Bedford Half Marathon on Sunday, and this was a personal best time for her in 1.13.51, and it's yes. her first New England championship victory. And she will be watching out for her at uh, Boston. She'll be towing the line for Boston coming up here shortly, too. So congratulations to Katie Kellner. Excellent. Mm -hmm. Great work, Katie. And then Natasha Rogers, previous podcast guest, she won the Shamrock Shuffle in Chicago. It's an 8K, and she won by about 50 seconds, Whoa. which is very dominant. And the team event, because this was also scored as a team, even though it's a road race, there's very few of those that are scored as road races, but it was won by Hanson's Brooks Distance Project on both the men's and women's side. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that's the only major road race in the United States that is a team event i i wouldn't be able to tell you yes or no on that so there's very few of them even if rare. it's not the only it certainly is one of only a few at, at best um and that's you know it's always an exciting thing because you don't get a lot of this kind of dynamic in running outside of like high school and college and mm -hmm. such um and so you there are teams out there there are um especially at like the sub elite kind of semi-pro level there's a lot of great programs and so a chance for them to actually race against each other you have some cross-country races and that's about it, except yeah. for the Shamrock Shuffle. So it's fun to see them come out. So a fully, uh, fully professional team, Hanson's Brooks Distance Project, that uh, dominated. But there were also great showings from other club teams. In fact, Zach's club team, Playmakers, uh, had won previously. I have some pictures from back in the day when Zach had like long. She says hair. Zach's club team. I ran with Playmakers. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't his. Andy club did team. too mm -hmm. for a few yep. years. Long, it was a fun long one ago. to do as a team to have there be a road race Very that fun. actually is a scored as a team. So congratulations to Hanson's and also to Natasha Rogers, who we've enjoyed following and keeping you up to date on. Excellent. Well, as it happens, that's all we've got for today. We appreciate your time and attention. And remember, if you're needing a little something more, check out 
our training and coaching services. You can find these things on a to z running.com. Just look for the word coaching. We would love to connect with you. Maybe we can help you out as well. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much for joining us. And remember Q and a next week, if you have your questions, put them in now, uh, we'll either be able to answer them on the podcast next week, or we'll save them for the April, or we'll talk about them with you uh, at another point too. So anyway, you want to do it. We're loving the conversations we're having with all of you. So thanks so much for joining us and we'll talk to you next week. <laughs>